I do find it very a, a very emotional experience, and it stays. Every interview's stayed with me, and I think about them a, a lot. And when I go back to look at the images of that I've made, the the voices of the owners are are like kind of are in my head when I'm looking at it. The shape of the face mask it represents like a white man. This is Fonz. We're going to turn off the lights now to help you find your bearings in this dark studio today. Here is Marwenna Kersley. Are you ready? My name is Marwenna and I am a photographer and I have been making the photographs for the Fonz project. The camera. I don't know when it was made, but probably, maybe in the 1970s. It sits on a silver um, cylindrical rail. The front plate of the camera, the front rectangle, is where you can fix different lenses. And then on the back panel, you have something called a ground glass screen. And it's a, a piece of glass that's kind of misted, it's been ground down and that is where you're going to look um, like through the camera at the object and what attaches the front and the back panels are a set of bellows they're made of leather and kind of like if you imagine an, an accordion or a squeeze box and what the bellows allow you to do is to move the front and back panels back and forth and that will give you so focus Move the camera up a wee bit. It's really heavy and it's really cumbersome and it makes you slow down. You, you can't take a fast picture with this camera. Just to go up a wee bit. And just a bit to the left. Objects are my favourite thing to photograph for a number of reasons. They don't move and they don't talk. I'm a slow burner with most things and photography is no different. So it takes me ages to make a, a photo. And I like to take my time and move around it, look at it before I take a picture. And when you, you're dealing with a human being, you have a duty to be a bit faster so that you don't have them there all day. I'm kind of fascinated by like the, the objects that people choose to keep, why they choose them, where they keep them, who or where those objects connect them to. It's an endless source of fascination. Even if I know what object a participant is going to bring, because I've maybe read a brief description of it, I, I don't know what it looks like. So there's always that moment of anticipation when I say, can I, can I have a look at your object? And the person brings out the object and, and I feel like I know how well it's going to work almost immediately. And when I'm hanging the satin, it's not just a matter of like chucking the pins in and that's it. I'm trying to pay attention to the way that the fabric folds, the way it drapes, and sometimes it just falls into place. And sometimes you have to work at it. 
Um, and the inspiration for these drapes and folds comes from painting. It comes from like, um, you know, before photography, rich people would get paintings commissioned and they'd be wearing beautiful silk dresses and stuff like that. I used to work at the portrait gallery in Edinburgh and it comes from like years of looking at that and wanting, you know, a bit of that kind of drapery, that artistry around drapery into the photograph. When you're ready to compose your image, you have to kind of get down next to the, the ground glass screen and to see properly you have to put a black cloth over your head and over the back of the camera. So you're kind of enclosed in this wee, wee black tent and it's in there that you can see the object that you've put in front of the camera lens. But even at that point you're not looking at it normally because your subject appears to you back to front and upside down. So you have to make all these different adjustments in your head and in your imagination. And I think that's uh, one of the key reasons why I keep using this camera because it makes you look at something familiar in quite an unfamiliar way. Just going to use this to focus. You see angles and um, like aspects of the object that you maybe don't notice when you look at it normally with your with your eyes. I also have it on this Manfrotto tripod that it's one of the heaviest tripods I've ever come across, and I'd love to change it, but I've fused the tripod onto the bottom of the camera, so, so they must be together, they can't be apart. And for that reason, I don't take it anywhere, I never take it outside or I keep it in the studio. And I quite like the idea that things or people have to come to me rather than me going out into the world, which is the, the more conventional way to use photography or the traditional way is that a photographer goes out into the world and captures something and brings it back. And that's the other way with me. People have to come to me in the studio. Are we ready? I use like an unusual and very particular technique to make the images for fawns and this is a technique that I've been developing over years. Instead of using a conventional lighting setup, I black out the studio completely so that there's no light and I use a long exposure of eight minutes and what that means is when I press the shutter release on the camera, the shutter opens and I keep it open for eight minutes and during that eight minutes I illuminate the the object with a with a torch. So it's kinda like like painting with light. Okay. So I'm I'm moving the torch. It's got to be constantly moving all the time. And I'm kind of stepping from one side of the camera to the other, ensuring that the illumination is, you know, covering the whole object and the, the backdrop. And slowly over that time, the light um, registers itself on the film. It's that long exposure and moving light source that gives the images that kind of like shimmery, slightly unusual look. I drew on um, 
an account of a, a really famous 20th century photographer called Edward Weston. And he made a picture called Pepper Number 30. And it's a picture of a, of a pepper. And it looks incredible. And I, and I always like wanted to emulate it. And I looked up some different accounts of like how he made it. And it was using a, a very small aperture, almost like a pinhole and, and a long, long exposure. And I don't know how true this is, but I believe like the, the light, he was working in California. So, so the light, the natural light coming through the window would move around the room because it was such a long exposure, maybe of like between four to six hours. And so I thought, all oh, right, OK, moving light. But I kind of updated it for the 21st century by using an iPhone torch and also we, we're in Scotland and you can't always rely on bright moving sunlight so I thought I would invert the technique so instead of using sunlight I use darkness and instead of using the sun I use an artificial light um, and just over the years I've worked out that eight minutes is around about the right exposure for that and it turns out eight minutes is about the perfect time to do an interview in the dark as well interviewing people in the dark with only this little spotlight on their object creates a very um, almost like a kind of reverential um, intimate space and allows people to kind of view their object maybe in a way that they don't normally get to, to look at it and people have been so generous in telling us about what the object means and who it connects to or, or where it connects to. And, and I think it's a combination of like um, the setting, the environment that, that you know, allows people to kind of open up in, in that way. When I'm illuminating the object, when the exposure is happening and I'm listening to the participant, the owner of the object, talk to the interviewer. And it's really, um, it's often really emotional for both the person talking, but for me listening as well, because I'm realising as this person is talking, like, the significance of the object, and it feels like really, like a, a real honour to, to be allowed to not just photograph it, but to, to be able to listen and to share that moment with the other people in the room. Like, it's the most important thing. Humid, warm, kind of summer My heat. power. <laughs> um, but also like that kind of marketplace. Kind of like I, I, I knew it before, because I am also a human, but I it's been reinforced each and every time someone has come to the studio with an object. Is It's about the love we have for other people. So to an extent it's about the object, but the object is a stand-in, it's a representation of how people feel about other people. And even if um, someone is talking about a, a homeland that they're separated from, it's not just the homeland, it's the people that they've left behind, it's the... sometimes people are separated by... like geographically, sometimes they're separated by death, Sometimes, you know, but it's always, it always comes back to people, people talking about the other people in their life that they love. It's our connections that we have between each other that is important, that is, should, that is the basis of all human life and 
family and community and you know that spreads out um, wider and I think um, Fawns is like a particularly the interviews are just a very good reminder of like the role that like love and positivity have in in the world and that we need more of it <laughs> we need more of it in our politics and in our in the way that we think about um, building communities and yeah yeah You've been listening to Fawns, produced by Flora Zajcek and presented by me, Shanine Gallagher, for Greater Govan Hill. The photographer was Morwenna Kearsley, who created Fawns during a Culture Collective residency in partnership with Street Level Photoworks. This podcast has been supported by the National Lottery Community Fund. The interviews and recordings were done by Sam Gonsalves and Flora Zajcek. If you'd like to see the photographs or find out more about the project, Visit the Greater Govan Hill website or search Fonz Govan Hill on Instagram. See you next time.